summertime, and the living is easy. Hi, Kirkwood. Welcome to your KPL podcast, Big Summer Episode. And we've got a fantastic one right ahead for you. We are joined by... Mary Kay Andrews, the queen of summer reads. Well, that seems like a perfect gift for this themed episode. We'll also be talking about programming just ahead this week and a summertime selection that Jigisha and I plan on reading poolside. So it's just ahead, Kirkwood. Stay with us. Yes, and don't forget, summer reading is still going, so log in those pages. And the podcast challenge word is imagine. As in imagine your story. Let's get started with our great episode. All right, Kirkwood. So I'd like to share with you this week's virtual program the, the library offers. First up, I'm going to talk about the Deaf Culture and Cochlear Implants program. This is going to be July 7th at 7 p.m. So this is a program not to be missed to learn more about deaf culture and how people identify. It is one that I am most excited about. Now, it is a registration required one. It's a virtual program. So in order to get an invitation via Zoom, you're going to want to go to kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org and sign up. Next up, we have two book clubs meeting virtually this week, both, I believe, via Zoom. The first up is Books on Tap. That's going to be July 8th at 7 p.m. They're going to be discussing The Library Book by Susan Orlean. Next up will be the following date is the book club at the end of the universe. That's our science fiction fantasy book club. They are meeting July 9th at 7 p.m. They are going to be discussing The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie, who, if you don't know, is a St. Louis native. So come and read a book by somebody who's local uh, and also widely known. Both these book clubs require sign-up, so... Much like the Deaf Culture Program, go to the KirkwoodPublicLibrary.org calendar of events and register to get your invitation. And I will see you at the book club. Well, Kirkwood, you are in for a treat. Jagisha and I are very excited to welcome our special guest today. Mary Kay Andrews is a New York Times bestselling author and the queen of the beach reads. Her newest book is Hello, Summer. Mary Kay Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Great to be with you. So would you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself. Sure. I am a failed journalist. (laughs) I was a newspaper reporter for 14 years, and then I sort of reinvented myself as a novelist and started out writing mystery and then segued into writing, I guess, what you would call women's fiction now. I'm a native of St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm second oldest of five kids. So I'm a native Floridian, and that's a rarity in and of itself. Married my high school sweetheart, Tom, and we have been married for, it'll be 44 years if I don't kill him by November. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations and good luck, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, you learn a lot about somebody when you're in the, when you're in lockdown with them, when you're, when you're quarantined with them. (laughs) I can't say anything out loud. My better half is nearby. (laughs) (laughs) We have two grown kids, Katie and Andrew, and uh, I have two adorable grandchildren who live right around the corner. Molly will be 11 next month and Griffin will be nine. And uh, we live in Atlanta full time. 
but we spent a lot of time at our vacation home on Tybee Island outside of Savannah. Beautiful city, Atlanta. Had the pleasure of being down there about a year, year and a half ago. And it was a very beautiful city, I thought. We think so. That's most interesting. You started out as a journalist. Was that an easy transition from, you know, being on the beat to writing fiction? Well, the last 10 years of my career, I spent at the Atlanta Journal and Constitution, and I was a features writer. So I was writing softer news. Around the last two years of my career, I started getting impatient with the way the turn journalism had taken. Um, stories were getting shorter, and I thought dumber. And at the same time, I wanted to, to write longer and more thoughtful stories. So and I had two young kids at home. I wanted to be home when they got home from school. So I actually started tumbling out while I was still working full-time as a reporter. I started writing fiction in secret. I, I wrote a mystery set, set, duh, at a fictional newspaper uh, in Savannah. And that's where I'd started my journalism career. That book did not sell, but it taught me how to write a novel. And I started writing another one. And the second book sold based just on five chapters. So I had probably a smoother transition than somebody who had not been in the publishing business would have had. Ah, very nice. We did the High Tide Club in our book club, and they loved the book. So all of the ladies, it was unanimous, and they very much enjoyed the book. Now, you recently had uh, Hello, Summer was just published, just came out May 5th. So yeah. would you mind telling us a little bit about the book? Yeah, uh, Hello Summer, I actually returned to my journalism roots. And in fact, I returned to the newsroom that I left when I left journalism in uh, 1991, actually. So it's been a lot of years. Uh, the protagonist of the book's name is Conley Hawkins. She is an investigative reporter, and the book starts with her at her own going away party in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution newsroom. She's taken a job at a uh, high-powered, um, digital-only investigative news gathering uh, organization. And um, she's at her party about to cut the cake and pop the champagne when she gets a text message from her older sister, who is back home in her hometown of Silver Bay, Florida. Her sister is the publisher and the managing editor of the family newspaper. It's a struggling weekly paper, the Silver Bay Beacon. Her sister forwards her an, a news story, uh, online news story, saying that the organization that Conley's about to go to work for has just seized publication. So now she's out of work. She's quit her job. She can't go back. She's broken up with her boyfriend, who also works in the newsroom, and she's given up her apartment. So really, she doesn't have a lot of options. So she goes home to Silver Bay very reluctantly, and uh, her plan is to stay with her grandmother in her grandmother's beach house. Silver Bay is in the Florida panhandle on the Gulf, and her plan is to work on her tan and send out uh, some resumes, get a job, and get the hell out of town. But plans don't always work out the way we hope. There are no, there are no jobs in newspapers, not only in this book, but in real life. It, journalism is going through some really tough times right now. And um, so her grandmother basically guilt trips her into taking a job working for her older sister. On her first or second night home, she, she has cabin fever. Silver Bay is a typical small southern town. Nothing happening after nine o'clock at night. They roll up the sidewalks and she decides she wants a drink and she goes out to the nearest uh, juke joint, which is the American Legion Bar, <laughs> which is about 30 miles outside of town. Runs into an old family friend. They have some drinks. They have some dances. They head back into town. 
and they come across a one-car accident. An Escalade has flipped over, it's burning, and they try to get at the passenger they can see is unconscious. They try to rescue him, uh, but are not successful in that. And so obviously they discover that the uh, driver has been killed. The next day, Conley and her grandmother are told that the driver of the car uh, was a longtime congressman from their district. And uh, so that's where the story begins. Conley, um, he's in his late 70s, 80s, it turns out. He has had terminal cancer, which the family has kept from his constituents. So Conley has a lot of questions right off the bat. And those are questions that nobody in town wants answers to, except for Conley. Sounds a most interesting mystery. I was just going to say yes. Um, I was trying to get a copy of the book, but they're all checked out. Every single copy. Oh, no. Yep. Our ebooks, the audiobooks, and even and the print books are all checked out right now. <laughs> I guess that's a good sign, right? Yes. <laughs> Most definitely, most definitely. So uh, you write kind of a large assortment of just different avenues. Can you tell us a little bit about your writing process? How do you come up with those ideas and what sort of advice would you give aspiring authors? Well, the ideas come from everywhere. The plot line, well, let me back up a little bit. This year's book, I've been wanting to write a, a book set at a newspaper for many years, but my editor kept saying, no, no, newspapers are a dying industry. Nobody wants to read about them. And I kept saying, oh no, that's why you do want to read about them because there's built-in conflict. Last year, for some reason, my editor all of a sudden changed course and said, we do want you to write a book set at a small town weekly newspaper at a beach. So that was sort of my assignment, if you will. And of course I embraced it because I wanted to write about sort of, you know, delve into my own past experiences with journalism. And then I needed, I needed a plot for this story. I knew I had a protagonist, but I needed a plot. And I, had, I remembered a story that I had read about four or five years ago about a congressman from my hometown in Florida. And he had died of a natural death. He, but at his funeral, it was revealed that he had a secret first family. He was a very conservative congressman, family values guy. And his son stood up to give the eulogy at the funeral and mentioned that as much as he and his siblings and mother were mourning, he knew that his father's other children were also mourning. And of course, nobody in the church was aware that there were other children. And it, it turns out there was, yes, there was a marriage that had, was, he had been married for over 30 years to his first wife. And then he was in Congress and fell in love with and impregnated uh, a young secretary in his office. And so that story just kind of took, took seed in my mind. And um, that's sort of what the plot of uh, Hello Summer is about. And Hello Summer, by the way, is the name of the gossip column in the Silver Bay Beacon that's written by the, the town's longtime elderly, um, oh gosh, she's just, she's the, the diva of the town. And her name is Rowena Meggs. And so she writes this outdated society column. And among the jobs that uh, Conley has to take over are writing or actually ghost writing Rowena's column. And, you know, as I said, the, the ideas come from everywhere. I knew that I wanted to have the flavor of a small town paper, complete with small town society columns and police reports, all those kinds of things. So and the inspiration from Rowena, for Rowena, came from uh, when I first started the Atlanta paper way back in the day, uh, in 1983, I sat beside 
um, the con this Constitution's longtime society columnist. She was in her late 70s. Her name was Yolan Gwynn. She'd been at the paper so long, she'd actually covered the premier party for Gone with the Wind. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, sitting beside her was an education in and of itself. She was a force to be reckoned with. So um, I guess I must have been taking notes, mental notes, all those years sitting next to her because Rowena is, is directly inspired by um, Yolan Gwynn. That's so interesting. Now you asked about the writing process and that's what I'm, I, I'm in the middle of right now. I write a book a year. So I'm already deep into next summer's book. So I start with an idea or a title, um, a concept, a protagonist, and try to figure out what her conflict is. And then I go to work. I have been doing, I have a group of writer friends. They're all just coincidentally, we all, we are all based and live in the South. Patty Callahan Henry, Mary Alice Monroe, Kristen Harmel, and Christy Woodson Harvey. Back in late March, we were all collectively fretting because we all had books coming out in spring and summer. And of course, uh, how do you publish a book in, during a pandemic? So we got on a Friday night happy hour Zoom and we came, <laughs> we came up with the idea after several glasses of wine of doing our own um, Zoom live to Facebook. So it's called Friends in Fiction and we've been doing that. This week will be our 11th episode. We quickly decided to start adding guests to it. And then in the meantime, of course, we're all working on next year's books and about a month ago, two of us decided to challenge each other to writing sprints. And a writing sprint just means you set the clock and you say go and you race. And so I've been sprinting. Um, this is my 23rd straight day. Oh. I, yeah, I start, we start writing at 7 a.m. Right, you know, we all set goals, writing goals for ourselves. So, and that's kind of how it goes. I've, uh, I've handed off the first 100 pages of my manuscript to my editor and she just gave me some feedback. That's kind of how it works. I, it, I, I didn't used to be a morning person at all, um, but I've had to become one because life throws a lot at you. So I found, what I have found is that if I can write first thing in the morning, if I can attack the book before the day attacks me, then, then I'm, you know, I'm ahead of the game. Good advice. Good advice. Nice. If, uh, if our patrons wanted to, uh, to see some of those friends in fiction, how would they do that? They can go on Facebook and they can, we would love to have them join our Friends on Fiction Facebook page. They can watch the past episodes are archived on our page. And we're gonna have a podcast pretty soon. We're converting some of those episodes. All the episodes will be converted to podcasts. And we've got some fans started a book club and, and happily the first book club choice is Hello Summer. <laughs> so we discuss, they'll be discussing that. I think, I think they're doing that in July. And um, we've had some great guests. We uh, just had Lisa Wingate, whose book you, I'm sure you all know a lot about, Before We Were Yours, which has now sold two million copies. She was our mm -hmm. guest last week. Uh, we had Debbie McComber uh, before that. And we, um, we started off with a bang with Kristen Hanna. Oh, no. Nice. Oh, yeah, who yeah. wrote Nightingale and uh, The Great Alone. We're going to have uh, Jasmine Guillory will be on later this summer. We've got to have, so we've got, we've got a whole, whole uh, slate of guests coming up. And then also we'll just do some episodes that's just the five of us. And 
talking about books, talking about writing, but really the, the thing we wanted to do was to make sure um, during the pandemic, we were worried about independent bookstores having to close their doors. And so we were very conscious of that. And we tie in an independent bookseller every week. We have links to their, to their store and we encourage um, fans to go to their website and buy books from independent bookstores. Oh, that's really nice. A noble cause. Well, it's important to us because without them, where will we be? Yes, that's true. It's kind of selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I call it symbiotic. I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> symbiotic. I'll use that. I'll steal that. <laughs> so on your website, I heard that you are a treasure hunter and that you like to go junking. So what's the most interesting item you found? Oh, gosh. Well, just a couple weekends ago, I went to an estate sale. I love estate sales. I like dead people's stuff. Probably <laughs> um, a story behind a lot of those items. <laughs> what a simply morbid way of saying that. <laughs> I like old stuff. I think they have stories. If they don't have a story, I make it up for them. I went to an estate sale uh, at the home of a, a, a woman here in Atlanta. Uh, her name was Anne, and she was an estate sale dealer for probably 30 or 40 years. And I'd gone to many of her sales over the years. She sadly passed away in her 80s around Christmas. And so one of her friends, who also currently runs the estate sales, and who is now, by the way, 85, was running Anne's sale. And um, another friend and I went and had a great time. I bought a crystal bowl full of cut glass liquor decanter stoppers. Ooh. Yeah, there's probably 25 or 30 of them in this bowl. It's huge. So heavy, I couldn't even carry it. And the funny thing is, I doubt, Anne was a very Christian lady. I doubt she drank. But I think, <laughs> you know, when I bought it, I could just picture her finishing up an estate sale and finding just a stray decanter stopper and thinking, well, this is pretty. I'll take it home and throw it in a bowl. So that's what I did. <laughs> Uh, and Jagisha shared that, uh, that she found that on your website. If our patrons or listeners would like to learn more about you, do you have a website address you'd love to plug? I do, and I would love for them to check that out. It's marykandrews.com. And they can also see pictures, photos, and little stories about my antiquing um, treasure trips on following me on Instagram. So Sounds on like a Instagram, must. I am Mary Kay Andrews, all one word on Instagram and you can see, oh, you can see pictures of the cucumbers we picked from the garden yesterday and my dog, <laughs> see me reading on the beach, um, <laughs> my grandkids, me writing in bed, <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep it real. <laughs> Indeed. Nice, I think a lot of readers will love that. I think they, I think readers, especially now, I think people crave authenticity. And of course, it's nice to see somebody that's all fixed up and made up for a public appearance. But right now, when we can't do that, I think it's comforting to know that the writers whose work you love, you know, it's just like you. I'm, I'm, you know, sitting up in bed in my PJs trying to, trying to read emails and the dog is pawing at me. And, you know, my grandkids are in my kitchen making dessert and, uh, and a mess. And um, so I, 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 I like that. I like I like fostering the sense of community and, and letting my readers know that, you know, I'm just like them, just messier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A good sentiment. 
Uh, so a little earlier in the interview, you had suggested that you were uh, already deep into the next one. Can yeah. you give us a very brief uh, uh, sneak preview of what you might have coming down the pipe? Yes, I will tease you a little bit with that. My protagonist flees New York City in the middle of the night and drives through the night uh, and ends up at a slightly rundown mom and pop motel on the Florida Gulf Coast. And she has a troubled four-year-old in tow and it's not her phone child. Ooh. Ooh, wow. That sounds like a good dun, setup. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, being librarians, we love to go out on this question. Uh, what are you reading right now? Or do you, is there something that you recommend we all read? Yeah, uh, gosh, I've got a stack of books. I just, um, I just finished my friend Susan Elizabeth Phillips' new book, Dance Away With Me, which I really enjoyed. Before that, I finished Michael Conley's new book, Fair Warning. I'm still a big mystery buff. Um, I like historic fiction, and so I'm reading, I'm reading my friend Kristen Harmel's new book, uh, The Book of Lost Names, which takes place, it's historic fiction. It's set in Nazi-occupied France during World War II, and it's about a young lady, a young woman. She's Jewish, and she, and she flees the occupying force out into the countryside, gets involved with the um, French underground, and becomes a document forger. So that will be out in a couple weeks. It's Kristen Harmel, H-A-R-M-E-L, and it's called The Book of Lost Names. Some fantastic sounding recommendations. Yeah. All right. Well, today's guest was Mary Kay Andrews. Her newest book, Hello Summer, is available through your Kirkwood Public Library and wherever good books are sold. Can't wait for Hello Summer? Well, many of Mary Kay's titles can be enjoyed right now via your Hoopla and Kirkwood Public Library card. Mary Kay, it was a pleasure to be able to speak with you today. Thanks so much. My pleasure entirely. Thank you. So, Ryan, it is summer. Officially started, I guess, June 21st. And That's the official. But anytime you're near the beach, it's always summer, right? Absolutely. Our interview today was Mary Kay Andrews, and she Yeah, I is... was there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> but she is the queen of the summer beach read. So I think you're taking this in the direction that we should be making summertime recommendations? Exactly. All right. Well, you know what? As it is summer, I'm prepared. Okay, but you can't talk about Jaws, okay? That's uh -oh. not allowed because you've done it already many, many times. But it's on set on a beach, and it is the birth of the summer blockbuster. Yes, true, but I think our patrons want something else. Fair enough. I will readjust. Then you go first if I can't talk about sharks. <laughs> All right, so the book that I'm going to recommend is One Perfect Summer by Brenda Novak. And it's about the main character, Serenity Alston. She has her uh, cheek swabbed for a DNA test for 23andMe. She thinks, you know, she kind of jokes and thinks that she's going to discover some dark secret. And suddenly it turns out that she has two half-sisters. And that there's this whole mystery surrounding her family. The book is about her journey with, her, with herself and her two sisters as they discover the family secret. Oh, interesting. What's your recommendation then? I'm going to recommend the movie Ghost World. It came out in 2001 and is an adaptation of the book by Daniel Klaus. It stars Thora Birch, Scarlett Johansson, and Steve Buscemi. 
It is one of my favorite movies, and also one I don't think I've ever discussed on the podcast. Enid, played by Birch, and Rebecca, played by ScarJo, are friends uh, who have just graduated high school, and they have their summer before them. Neither of them uh, have given much thought as to what they're going to do with their lives. In fact, they're kind of, um, you know, they're, they're people who generally scour upon just everybody else. They're sarcastic but they're clever, but it's kind of a wasted potential clever, essentially. And Enid uh, runs into Steve Buscemi's character, Seymour, and he's bizarre and strange and kind of a loner, and she instantly becomes fascinated by him. And Rebecca can't understand why Enid is doing this, essentially. And so the premise of the movie, without giving it away, is very much about like leaving childish things behind, growing up, kind of falling out with you know, what you, who you were before. It's a coming-of-age story, and it's well-told, and it's bittersweet, uh, but it is definitely a comedy and one that I would recommend to everybody. Ghost World. Huh. Interesting. The title does not... I was thinking it was about ghosts. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> there, is, there is no ghost in it beyond, I guess, what we leave behind. It is very much a story about... about Growing up and moving on and realizing that you what you once believed necessarily is not what you believe now kind of thing. It is something, I think, that speaks to everyone's experience as they got older. Okay, interesting. Yep, so I it's a great movie. It's a very funny movie, but be aware, it will make you melancholy by the end. <laughs> there is a streak of sadness to it. But it does revel in it and celebrate it, so it's just... It was a good movie, and it, it makes you feel something. Nice. That's what you want from a movie. What you're thinking. I agree. And everybody who who's shows up brings it their all. There's some fantastic actresses and actors in this one. Well, I'll have to take a look at it. I have so many movies on my list just because of you. It's all your fault. <laughs> I try to surprise people. But no, there is no ghost to be not afraid of or bust. What's your next one? <laughs> All right, so my next one is should be very interesting. It's historical fiction. Now, did you know that the Brooklyn Bridge was actually built by a woman? I did know that. Ah, well, I did not know that. I just discovered it. Mm-hmm. So this historical fiction is called The Engineer's Wife by Tracy Anderson Wood. If I recall correctly, and feel free to, to correct me if I am very much mistaken, but I believe her husband, the Brooklyn Bridge, the, the original engineer, he suffered a, a huge nervous breakdown and basically collapsed. And she picked up his work and built that bridge. Exactly. You got it. Awesome. I remembered my history correctly. <laughs> That's right. The chief engineer of the bridge. Well, it says here it was he was injured. So I don't know if it was a nervous breakdown or if he was injured. But according to the book, he was injured. And so she takes over with his guidance. So this is a great read. I think this should be a lot of fun to know more about and how she sort of you know, because she has no training. So how do you take over being engineer of a bridge when you have no engineering training? I would, would, I would not, not trust that bridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, is this book a historical novel or is it a nonfiction? No, it's a novel. It's It says historical fiction. So, but I, it's based on the true story of the Brooklyn Bridge. Interesting. This just came out and I highly recommend this one. So I think this should be a lot of fun to read. I agree. If nothing else, it is a fascinating story, and there's so so often overlooked 
people that we need to remember and their contributions. I know. Well, women don't, you know, in history, women haven't gotten credit for things that they've done or invented. What was the cotton gin? A woman had actually, I think, I believe, well, the story is, and, and I could be completely wrong, but the story was that, that it was actually the, the man's wife who invented it and not the man who got credit for it. History yeah, has skewed unfavorably towards women. I think we all know that. I think that's a terrible shame and that we that all of us should be rectifying. That's right. So that's one of the reasons why I picked up this book and intrigued me. Well, that's a good, good one. All right. Do you have any others? Um, well, in the interest of keeping it low and the one summer is essentially the same thing as Ghost World, maybe I'll just be the one recommendation this time. Okay. Well, there you have it, Kirkwood. Those were our recommendations. We've narrowed it down to just three, even though there's many, many books coming out this summer. So let us know what you think, and do you have any suggestions that you want to make for us? So please leave a comment. Yes, what's your favorite summer read? There you have it, Kirkwood. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, Jagishi and I are heading off to the beach. But before we go, I wanted to leave on some summertime words by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And so with the sunshine and the great burst of leaves growing on the trees, just as things grow fast in movies, I had that familiar conviction that life was beginning over again with this summer. Happy summer, Kirkwood.